Before we get to the show, if you want to listen ad-free, go to gzmshows.com slash subscribers. That's gzmshows.com slash subscribers. Hello, friends. It's President Bebop Robobogo Wanatron. I know I failed in my attempt to become president of Podcast Planet, but I just decided that I'm going to be president now of Jonathan's house, and then I'll work my way out from there. So next up, I'll be president of the backyard, and then maybe president of the driveway, and we'll go from there. Now, I really want to get into this week's story because it is a doozy, but first, I have to say thank you to everyone who solved this week's puzzle. The answer, to my mind, was keyhole, but some of you said doorknob, which it turns out is also true. You're learning something new every day. On to today's listener question that inspired this week's episode. Sophia, who's 11 from Sydney, Australia, asked, Has Bebop ever had to fight a million disco envelopes? I clarified with Sophia, and yes, she means envelopes that dance. And here's the thing. As a lover and maker of music myself, I would never fight any dancer. But I have encountered a million of them, and I will tell you that bebop tale right now, as soon as I get my Jonahan voice on. I'm running out of ideas for chant, so if you have a chant you can send in for me to switch my voice, by all means, please do. But instead, I'm going to sing Jonathan's favorite song, and then I'm going to try to switch in the middle of that. Are you ready? For he's a jolly good fellow, for he's a jolly good fellow, for he's a jolly Jolly good fellow, which nobody can deny. Got it. Okay, here we go with this week's episode of Bebop Tales Season 3, Episode 4, Troll Master General. What goes through a door but never interrupt? What goes through a door but never interrupt? What goes through a door but... Does repeating it over and over again help you solve it? Said the alchemist, who was now sitting on the sand of the island, toes dipped in the waters of the aquarium. Is that how someone who is the best at riddles solves them? Bebop ignored the alchemist, who didn't seem at all concerned about finding his way out. What? What if it was the mail? You know how some buildings have mail slots that open and the mail carrier tosses envelopes in through the slot? Mail comes through a door. Boom. Done. Riddle solved. Interesting, said the alchemist, who looked like he wasn't at all interested. So what do we do then? We mail ourselves out of the aquarium? Should I conjure up a cardboard box, some bubble wrap, Maybe some of those packing peanuts, and then we'll just wait for a mailman to come by. Okay, okay, I get it, said Bebop. Now I see why you and Dr. Percolator are such good friends. Neither of you are any help. Bebop pictured Dr. Percolator down in the basement in his lab while all of his friends were being robot-napped away by Baron Von Messingham, and the doctor was behind that door with all of those locks. Wait a second. All of those locks. That's it. A lock. A keyhole. It goes through a door, but never in or out of it. That's the answer. An interesting theory, but 
I have canvassed every inch of this aquarium bubble, and I assure you, there are no locks, no keyholes, nothing of the kind. Not yet there isn't, said Bebop. Thing, can you please fly up to the glass and once you're there, become a keyhole, okay? The thing turned into a thumbs up and then shot off into the sky toward the edge of the aquarium. Once there, it turned into a doorknob with a keyhole just underneath it. But nothing happened. Okay, we need to get up there and turn the knob and we are out of here. Can you get that flying stingray thing back again? The alchemist whistled and the stingray appeared beneath their feet, hoisting them up to where the thing was stuck to the glass. Bebop tried the doorknob, but nothing. He turned and turned, but it wouldn't open. Oh, great, he said. We're going to need a key that somehow fits this keyhole. Why, why, thing, would you make a doorknob with a keyhole and then lock it? But the alchemist was already smiling. I have an idea, a bona fide actual idea, he said. He whistled and into his hand popped a little bird with a beak shaped like a key. Okay, birdie, go ahead and get us out of here. The bird flew up and put its beak in the keyhole, twisting and turning and wiggling until... They heard the lock unfasten, and the alchemist reached up and turned the knob. The entire glass of the aquarium disappeared. Bebop and the alchemist were still standing atop the flying stingray, the alchemist with the thing in his hand, the bird now hovering like a hummingbird. It spit in the alchemist's face and flew off. Do all of your creations do that? Said Bebop. (laughs) I guess so, but some have the decency not to. The alchemist and Bebop watched as all of his creations that had been cooped up in the aquarium swam off into the ocean, no doubt to confuse fish the world over. Bebop and the alchemist, along with the thing, flew off to find Dr. Percolator and the whale. But when they got to the part of the ocean where they thought he would be, there was no sign of him. Ugh, he gave up on us again, said Bebop. Just like he was no help when my family was being kidnapped. I wouldn't assume that, Tiny, said the alchemist. Sometimes you may not understand what Dr. Percolator is doing, or why he's not with you right at the moment you need him. But don't doubt that he's doing his best for you. Yeah, if you say so. But now what do we do? How do we get to Messingham? I can sense where he is, said the alchemist. He is in another dimension. I will take us there now. How are you going to do that? We're in the middle of the ocean, on some weird stingray that probably is going to spit at us at any moment. Remember how I said I made lowly? He whistled. And there was another interdimensional worm ready to open up a portal. Wait, you could have made another interdimensional worm this whole time? Yep. And then that worm could have made a portal, which could have gotten you or us out of there at any time. Oh, I see where you're going with this. Huh, I guess you're right. Funny. But before Bebop could get too angry, a portal opened up right in front of them. But what about Dr. Percolator? 
I have a feeling we'll run into him down the road, said the alchemist, stepping off the stingray and into the portal. He has a way of showing up when you need him. Bebop and the alchemist swam through interdimensional space, the thing following behind, trying to find the right portal out. You know, said the alchemist, something you said reminded me of something. We're not going to be able to just waltz into Messingham's fortress and free your friends. We're going to need some sort of disguise. I am a master of many things, said Bebop, but not disguises. It's pretty hard to hide the fact that you're a robot. Oh, don't worry. Messingham won't see us coming. The alchemist whispered something into the air of a passing worm. And a portal opened. Come on, I've just had another idea. Bebop and the Thing followed the alchemist through a portal and into the strangest world he'd ever seen. Lights flashed. A giant disco ball floated in the sky, shining all sorts of different colors down onto envelopes. Giant dancing envelopes and cardboard boxes and long poster tubes. Everything was dancing. Welcome to the interdimensional mailroom, yelled the alchemist. Is it always a party like this? Of course. Everyone loves getting mail. Bebop watched as envelopes spun and dipped and letters flew in and out of envelopes, folding and unfolding themselves in tune to the music. So what's the deal? Said Bebop. Are we going to Trojan horse this thing or what? Never heard of it, said the alchemist, starting to dance. Hey, listen, said Bebop. A Trojan horse, you know, where the Greek soldiers built a huge wooden horse and pretended it was a gift to Troy, but really they were hiding inside of it the whole time. And then when the Trojans brought the horse into their compound, all of the Greek soldiers jumped out and surprised the Trojans and won the battle. What planet are you talking about? I don't know. I've been to too many now, but is that the basic idea here? I guess so, said the alchemist, still dancing. Look, see those boxes over there? The alchemist pointed to three enormous brown boxes, breakdancing a few feet away. We just need to hop into one of those, and it's on our way to Messingham Town. Great. Which one? I have no idea, but I know one of them is going express to Messingham's evil dungeon. Okay, great. So let's hop in one already. Well, we don't want to go into the wrong one. Why not? One of them is going to the lake of insanely hot magma. Ugh, that sounds bad. And the other is going to the pit of eternal screaming. What's that? Oh, you know, it's just a never-ending pit, and everyone who falls into it never stops falling, and they scream nonstop forever. This is a great song. Will you stop dancing for one second? Let's just go to the boxes and see if we can figure out which one is which. Bebop and the alchemist got into the conga line behind the boxes, and as they danced, Bebop tried to pry one of them open. What are you doing? You never open a box on a conga line in the interdimensional mailroom. What were you, raised in a barn? So then what are we supposed to do? Look, said the alchemist, over there is the shipping dock. We have to go over there and pay our respects. 
They waited until the boxes sashayed their way to the shipping dock, where a giant with an enormous beard stood, glowering over the boxes. Who's that giant? said Bebop. Oh, that's the Interdimensional Postmaster General. He's no giant. He's a troll who grew a beard so that he would look like a giant. But a troll is a troll is a troll, which means... Oh no, another riddle. Most likely. Either that, or he'll eat us. Okay, make sure you pay your respects as we approach. The alchemist bowed as he walked slowly toward the Trollmaster General. Dearest General, said the alchemist, We are but humble foot soldiers on a hero's quest. We request safe passage in one of those three boxes. Hmm, yes. And where are you headed? Is that really his voice? I was expecting something a little more boomy. I know, it's weird. Shh. We seek entrance into the Messingham stronghold and believe one of those boxes to be destined for that location. Excellent! Messingham has been messing with the mail too much lately, sending curses and birthday cards. I don't like it. Still, as you know, you will have to match wits with me to get what you want. As you wish, said the alchemist. Yay! Now listen closely. Before you lay three boxes, one of which contains red Sour Patch Kids, Messingham's favorite. The other contains green Sour Patch Kids, nobody's favorite. And the other contains both. Unfortunately, these boxes have danced their way into the wrong labeling line and are mislabeled. One is labeled red, one is labeled green, and the last is labeled red and green. Only the box with just red Sour Patch Kids is destined for Messingham. The others, to the Lake of Magma and the Pit of Eternal Screaming. You may open one box in one box only and remove one Sour Patch Kid. And based on what you see there, you will need to determine which box is the one you need for your Sour Patch Horse, so to speak. Bebop Tales, this one's a dandy. Bebop's gotta solve a puzzle with candy. Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales. Alright, now this is a pretty sweet puzzle, if you know what I'm saying. Just to recap, one box has red, one box has green, and one box has red and green. We could only open one box, and based on what we find in there, we have to make a decision about which box is the one with the red Sour Patch Kids. I know you can figure this one out. Let us know what you think. Email earth at fincasping.com with your answer. Let me thank all the ones who solved the puzzle last week. Kevin, who's eight, from San Carlos, California. Frida from New Zealand. Julian Ward and Zion from Washington. Manoa, who's 10, from California. Sam, who's five, from Birmingham. Ellery and Cyrus from Haverhill, Massachusetts. Maya, who's 10, and Sabina, who's 10. And Javier, who's seven, from Manville, Louisiana. Layla, who's 10, from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Oliver from Denver, Colorado. EJ, who's six, from Springfield, Virginia. Dominic, who's five, from Bishop, California. Jaden from Decatur, Illinois. Our pal, Clobot. 
Cass, who's 12, and Oscar, who's 6, from Richfield, Minnesota, Jonah from Melrose, Massachusetts, Luca from Osprey, Florida, Everett, who's 7, Moses, who's 7, from New York City, brothers Caleb and Eli, Sangam, who's 5, and Chaitanya, who's 9, from Raleigh, North Carolina, and hey, Chaitanya, Jonathan says thanks for the Sour Patch Kids, Sam, who's 5, Lark, who's 6, Kelty and Isla from Lafayette, Colorado, Orion, Brennan, and Deacon from Pasadena, California, and Mauer and Leaf from San Diego, California. Wow, that was a lot of puzzle solvers. Thank you all so, so much. And because we had so many puzzle solvers and so little time at the end of the show, we're just going to quickly say shout-outs to William, who's five, Edie, who's five, from Pleasanton, California, Charlotte, who's eight, from Louisville, North Carolina, Jake, who's nine, from Atlanta, Georgia, Lolo and Gwillem, from Australia, Lauren, who's eight, Megan, who's six, Allie, who's nine, all from Morris Plains, New Jersey, Mata, who's nine, from New York, and Ben and Maggie, who's seven, from Minneapolis. Thank you all so much for your art. And now it's joke time. First up is our pal Tyler from Tasmania. He told us this joke. If a comet that hits a planet is called a meteorite, what do you call one that misses a planet? A meteorong. <laughs> I love that joke. Thank you so much. And now this joke is from our pal Simona, who's seven years old. Hello, my name is Simona, and I have a funny joke from a book. Two aliens landed their ship in Washington, D.C., and they look a lot like fire hydrants. After they exited their craft, the first thing they came upon was a fire hydrant. We are aliens from another planet, and we come in peace. Take us to your leader, said the first alien. The second alien burst out laughing. You're not going to get very far asking a little kid for help. (laughs) That's great. Thank you so much, Simona. And now our pal Zoe has a joke for us. Hello, I'm Zoe, and I'm seven years old from Tacoma Park, Maryland. Okay, why did Bebop cross the galaxy? Why? Because he wanted to get to the other dimension. Why did the magnet cross the galaxy? Because he was stuck to Bebop. (laughs) That's awesome, Zoe. Thank you all so much for the jokes. Thank you all so much for the art. And thank you all for solving the puzzle. If you think you can solve this week's puzzle, email earth at fincasby.com with your answer, and we will find out next Wednesday, not a Friday this time, next Wednesday, what the real answer is. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Hi, it's me, Jess. This is a message for all the Six Minutes podcast fans out there. Have you heard? There are new episodes in the Six Minutes feed called The Ivan Dispatch. I won't go into details, but Ivan found something. A box containing audio cassettes recorded decades ago, and it looks like they were recorded by Cyrus. If you're a fan and you're not following the show, you may have missed out. Search for Six Minutes and click the follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't heard Six Minutes yet, what are you waiting for? Search for Six Minutes, start a season one, episode one, and enjoy the most downloaded family audio drama in history. 
Hi everyone, I'm Jeremy. I'm Autumn. And I'm Jasper. And we're, we're a GZM family. And we want you to listen to our favorite show, Becoming Mother Nature. I love the one with the Green Reaper and the zombies. Do you want to hear your family at the end of a show giving a shout out? Go to gzmshows.com slash shout out to learn more. That's gzmshows.com slash shout out for a chance to be heard on this show.